0: Four and verse eight, and Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And he said, speaking of the Lord, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And I simply want to speak from this subject this morning, the cry of the innocent cry of the innocent let's let's lift up our voices to the lord again and let's pray for his help and his touch on this service we need the lord to speak to us today we need the touch of the holy ghost in the remainder of our time together why don't you lift up your voice with me right now let's pray together jesus we look to you we desire you we hunger for you your presence your glory your power your anointing God, we understand that without you we can do nothing. We know that, God, we're nothing without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And the anointing is what makes the difference. God, it's what sets us apart. And the anointing is needed in this service. I pray that you would speak to us, deal with us, convict us, draw us closer to you. Your word says that no man can come unless your spirit draws. And I'm praying, God, that your spirit... Would be active in this house to draw souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. Of course, we know the setting of this scripture this morning in Genesis chapter 4, and just prior to it, the Bible tells us was an age of innocence. This is a time when we consider, uh, as students of the Word of God and reading after theologians, this was a perfect and pure time. It was wholesome, and everything was just, well, it was just lovely. It was wonderful. It was godly. God could be so readily felt and experienced by those few people that were able uh, to walk with him and be with him during the cool of the day. Just, just prior to the incident when when Adam partakes of the forbidden fruit of the garden, we, we know that this relationship that God had with man was was what God had longed for. I mean, he had angels in heaven that would worship at his bidding that were always and continually surrounding his throne. The Bible says that there is in the very throne room of God angels that cry, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, he which was, which is, and which is to come. And so continually and perpetually there is praise that is given. But God created a man and breathed his own breath into him. And he became a living soul. A living soul. And this man would walk with him in the cool of the day. And he would speak with that man. And I believe with all of my heart this was a time that God look forward to. It was an appointment that God each day looked forward to having with Adam. And when Adam believed the lie of the enemy or Eve was deceived and the deception of the enemy as he came to her in the garden and then we know that Adam partook of this fruit. We know that suddenly something happened. This This innocency that was there, this purity that was there, was suddenly interrupted. And uh, that that had been so wholesome, that that had been so pure and, and unadulterated and clean, suddenly evil and wickedness, hate. Now in this text, murder has entered into the world and it begins to develop and progress to the point that the Bible says by Noah's day that evil was in the heart of man continually. And their imaginations was continually upon evil, devising evil and thinking about wickedness. And I might say that the scripture tells us that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. In other words, in the days that we're living in, the last days, they will be comparable to the days of Noah. But when this relationship that had been so pure and been so wholesome was suddenly interrupted, the Lord came in his usual time and began to call out to Adam. He said, Where art thou, Adam? And I want you to notice Adam's absence was something that got the attention of the Lord. When Adam uh, got things restored with God, we must understand that when he when he was able to get things right with the Lord and, and get things squared away with God and, and repent of this sin and disobedience to the Lord, that he must have talked to his sons, Abel and Cain, about what it was like to worship the Lord and maybe even talk to them about his experience in the garden before the fall or before sin entered into the world, but we know that some way or another they learned what it was to be a worshiper. They knew how to properly worship God. They knew how to offer sacrifices. They knew what was to be offered on the altars of sacrifice. They knew the specifications of these things. All of this, I believe, they learned from their father Adam, because he taught them the joys of worshiping the Lord. And he knew that having a relationship with God was critical. And so when Cain endeavors to offer a sacrifice that is inadequate, that is not what God asks for, and wants to substitute a blood sacrifice with the labors and the fruits of the field and place it on the altar. And God rejects it, but he sees that God is pleased with Abel's blood sacrifice when he brings and offers a lamb on the altar. Jealousy rises in his heart. And the Bible tells us here in chapter 4 that he rose up against Abel in this moment of rage, this moment of envy and jealousy. You know, jealousy is, we we say that it's cruel as the grave. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing any more devastating than jealousy and envy breaking out in a spiritual setting, in in a setting where people are endeavoring to Develop in their relationship with God to allow envy and allow jealousy to get in your heart. That's, That's a devastating and destructive force. And we see it here in the scripture as it plays itself out. He rose up and he slew his brother Abel and hid the remains. And God, again, I want you to note this, notices the absence of a worshiper. I just want to stop right there and key in on that and tell you that God notices a worshiper and he notices the absence of somebody that used to worship him. Can I just take a moment and talk to those that, that may have fallen away and uh, may have backslidden from your place in worshiping and praising God? and tell you that if you don't worship the Lord with the same fervency that you once did, God notices that. And God longs for that. And God desires that. And God wants that. Because immediately the absence of these two men, Adam first of all and then later, Uh, Abel, these men that walked with him and worshipped him and had a relationship with him, when that relationship was no longer there, when their voice was no longer lifted unto God, it was noted, the absence of that voice was noted by God. I'm going to tell the backslider, and you don't have to be away from church Physically to be backslidden in your heart. I want to tell that person that is cold and indifferent that if you once worshipped the Lord and if you once were totally dedicated to God and you used to enjoy singing songs of praise unto the Lord and you used to be one of those that fervently clapped your hands in worship to the Lord and you used to be one of those that when you came to the house of God it wasn't that you was there to do anything else but to give God glory and to give God praise and to give God thanks and to lift him up If you've lost your place of praise, can I tell you today that God misses that. He notices your absence. And He wants you to get back to that red hot fervency that you once had. That desire and that longing for the presence of God that was once there. He wants you to return to that place. Oh, let's lift up our hands and give praise to the Lord. God misses. He misses his time with you. He misses the fervent desire and determined heart that came into the presence of God. And even though there were troubles, and even though there were at times problems and challenges, and maybe even uncertainty. That you trusted the Lord. That he was going to take care of it all. And you came into his presence and you worshipped him. If you're absent from that this morning, God wants you back. I said God wants you back. I, I know what it is. I know what it is to look across this building at places where maybe there was once someone that was such a fervent worshiper. And had such an ardent relationship with God and so faithfully would come and give praise to the Lord. And for whatever reason, maybe they are absent from that place and there's something in my heart that longs to see them return. And as I consider that as a pastor, I think about how God must feel. Amen. I'm just feeling a little bit of how God must feel when somebody is absent from their place of worship. I remember hearing a story about uh, Elder Craft, Tommy Craft in Jackson, Mississippi, and how that when his first wife passed away from cancer, she was a bigger-than-life person. She was a very unique individual in her relationship with God. In fact, the Lord spoke to her and peculiar ways and she was used of the Lord and she was a dynamic part of that particular church and so uh, they had built that church together for better I think at that time 40 years maybe even longer than that by the time she passed away and he had lived with her and built this church and worked for God and, and every day been involved with uh, doing the work of the Lord and she was just his soul mate, and he didn't know what he was going to do with himself after her passing. And he said, you know, as unique as it may seem, he said, each day at a certain time, I used to go out to the cemetery, and uh, I would go there, and and I, I'd drink my coffee there, and I would, I didn't know if she could hear me, uh, he said, but I, I just... I was so used to being with my wife and speaking to my wife each morning over coffee. He said I just went out there and you got to know Brother Kraft, a very unique individual. And uh, he said I just I just longed to be close to her again and be with her again. And and I just had a difficult time in this grief period. And uh, that that's just how I handled it as as. Crazy as that may seem, he said, that's just how I grieved and that's how, uh, that's, that's how I got over this situation. But I used to go out there because, you know, when you've been around somebody and you have a relationship with someone and you know someone and uh, you've walked with them and worked with them for years, then uh, when, when separation comes, that, that's a difficult thing. Can I tell you that it's the same? It's the same. We often think of it only from our perspective, from the human perspective. We only think of how we feel when we're separated from God or how, uh, how we feel when somebody we know is no longer walking with the Lord. But I want to tell you, we can't even imagine or properly articulate this morning how God must feel, this one that died for them, this one that shed blood for them, this one that gave everything for them. How he must feel when something comes between them and their relationship with God. Can I, can I preach to that one that maybe has never known him, that has never experienced him, As we're talking about, maybe you've never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, you've never known a real relationship like a relationship with God. You've never experienced fullness and completeness. You've never had peace, nor have you experienced joy like it is to live for God and to serve the Lord and to be in right relationship with God to be able to walk with God oh I'm going to tell you this world may be going topsy-turvy but you have a security you you have a stability You you have you, you have even when the storm winds are brewing all around us there's just a tranquility that comes that everything's going to be alright I don't have any trouble laying my head down on my pillow at night because I know the one that keeps me I know the one whom I have a relationship with I know the one that I walk with. And it gives me a confidence that everything's going to be all right because he's king of my life. And how he wants that relationship with you. The Bible says because of sin, there's, there's been a separation. Because of sin... That relationship that is intended has been ripped apart. And the only way that it can be restored is for us. Is for us. Come on, this is our responsibility. He's done all He can do. He went to the cross. He gave everything. He afforded you the opportunity to now repent of your sin. Give your life wholeheartedly to God. Oh, we don't like that word repent because that means walking away. We sometimes don't like, this flesh doesn't like repentance. But I'm going to tell you, there's rejoicing on the other side of repentance. When you totally repent and you find forgiveness in God, you talk about freedom. You talk about joy. You talk about peace. You talk about happiness. You talk about fulfillment. Come on, really, everything you were searching for in sin, everything you were looking for out there in the world, you can find it if you'll just die out before him in an altar and repent of your sin. When I fully repent and am obedient to the word of God and baptized in his name for the remission of my sins, I become available to him to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, when we talk about the Holy Ghost, this is the greatest experience that any person could receive as the gift of the Holy Ghost. And a lot of people wanted to get into debate whether or not it's required. I believe it is. But aside from that, I can't understand why anybody wouldn't want it. If you have the opportunity to have the gift of the Holy Ghost, to have the power of God on the inside, pray tell me why you wouldn't want the Holy Ghost hallelujah as glorious as it is to feel his touch and to experience his power and to be in his presence uh, that's just a little bit that's just a that's just a little investment in what God really wants to give you in the Holy ghost that's just a, a little precursor of the promise that is to come when you yield your life and you totally open up yourself to God and experience the Holy Ghost uh, amen it's a it experience that doesn't just last for a little while and fade away with time but it's an experience that'll last you it'll last you when you're up it'll be there when you're down it'll it'll walk with you amen through the trials of life through the situations of life it'll always be there God asked Cain, he said, where is thy brother Abel? I want you to notice Cain's reply. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Of course, we know that he is endeavoring to deceive. He said, I I know not. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Do I tell him, in other words, when to get up in the morning?" Do I tell him what he is to do? Am I the Lord of his life? Do I tell him when to go to bed? Do I clothe him or do I prepare for his needs? Am I my brother's keeper? I, I don't have any real responsibility to him. And we learn something here. There are certain things that only you and I are responsible for. There are certain things that only you and I are the keeper of. There are certain things that have been placed under our care that no one else No one else can make decisions regarding that. Nobody else can take responsibility for that. Now I want you to think broader than just this text here today. And we understand that he did have a responsibility towards his brother. But the question that he is asking here is a pertinent one. Are there certain things in our lives... Is there certain things that are in our care? Is there certain things that nobody else can do for us, but we can only do for ourselves? And I think that there is. For the Apostle Paul wrote, So then everyone of us shall give an account of himself to God. Can I tell you that every person in this place is a keeper of their own soul. Every individual, under the sound of my voice, has a responsibility to your own soul. No one else, no one else can make decisions and choices that will affect your soul like you can. In other words, no one else can do your repenting for you. No one else can do your praying for you. No one else can be obedient to the word of God for you. No one else can stand in your stead and do the will of God and be saved for you. If that was true, I'm sure there's a lot of parents that would sign up this morning and say I'll stand instead of my children and I'll make choices and decisions for them so that they would be undoubtedly saved. But that is not possible today. If that was so, there's a lot of people that we love in this community that we would do our level best to say, God, let me, I, I'll pray for them. I, if they don't know how, if they're unwilling, if they don't want to, I'll take their place. Because there's no person in this building that relishes the thought of anyone being lost. Or anyone going to hell. That, that's not the desire of our heart. So we, in essence, are the keeper of our soul. That innocent man that lives within sight of all of us. That one that is bound by the decisions that you and I make. I wonder last night, Saturday night, or perhaps the night before, Friday night. I wonder how many people took their soul that is bound by the decisions And bound by the choices of the flesh. And they took that soul to places that it was uncomfortable with. They made decisions. They made choices. That while that may have been choices and decisions that brought pleasure to them temporarily. They were decisions and choices that affected and impacted their soul for eternity. Can you grasp what I'm saying here this morning? I wonder how many people that sat on bar stools over the last couple of nights and their soul was trying to talk to them. You don't belong in this place. I wonder how many people, maybe even backsliders, that went to wild parties over the weekend and indulged in sin and their soul was right there whispering to them every step of the way with every sip of alcohol, with every puff of the cigarette, with every peel, with every shot of drugs uh, is telling them you don't belong here you belong in the house of God you're a child of God you're a saint of God this is not the plight that you should should be choosing for life. come on, come on sir don't take me to this place come on don't don't allow me to go to hell don't allow me to spend eternity separated from God. Come on, I want you to think. Sometimes we think so, we think so shallow. We we think so temporary. We only think of the here and now. But if we could only, if we could only see things like our soul sees things. If we could only hear the voice of an innocent man that's crying out in this room, I wonder the conversation that could be overheard if we could some way pick up the voice and the sound of the soul that is crying out and saying, come on. Even in this service this morning, as the presence of the Lord is moving, that soul was saying, come on, flesh, get your hands in the air. Come on, flesh. It's time to worship God. Come on, flesh. That, that isn't worth hanging on to. Come on, flesh. That isn't worth going to hell for. Come on, flesh. That, that's going to pass away with time. But there's one thing that's going to live. I'm going to live forever somewhere. And it's your choices, your decisions, and what you do. Amen. And how you respond in services just like this that is going to decide my fate. Oh, would you lift your hands and let's talk to God. Luke, Luke chapter number 12. Jesus spake a parable unto them. Saying the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And I know we're familiar with this particular parable and Jesus' teaching. But I I want to present it in a way maybe you haven't thought of it. I want to contrast between what we see on the surface and how we look at things through the flesh versus how the Lord looks at them and how the Lord sees them. Because if we was to look at this man... And we was to gauge it by the metric of success in this world. Well, it would appear that this man was ultra successful. The Bible says that he increased with his harvest and his fruits of his labor to the point that he had to pull down the current barns that he had and he had to build greater barns. Seems pretty successful to me. I mean, this guy's on the increase. This guy is going places. This guy is one that we would call, by just looking at things on the surface, we would call him blessed, prosperous. We would say even maybe, go as far as to say that he was favored of the Lord because obviously God had to send the right amount of rain, right amount of sunshine. And... He blessed the ground to be able to give forth the fruit that it did. So as much as this man worked, if if God hadn't shined on him and blessed him and gave him the opportunity, it wouldn't have been. We wouldn't have read about this man prospering and his ground bringing forth plentiful. And God begins to show us another side of this story here that maybe if we only have a shallow view if we're only looking at this through one lens just a myopic view of this particular story we would never see it but the scripture says that the lord begins to tell about a conversation that is taking place. And again, we don't hear exactly what the soul is saying, but we can hear this man's response. The soul is telling him, hey, why don't you think about the things of God? Why don't you think about your relationship with the Lord? Why don't you consider where all of these choices and these decisions are leading you why don't you consider that while you're prospering and while you seemingly don't have time for God anymore that, that one of these days your flesh is going to perish. Flesh, you're going to die. you're going They're going to haul you to the grave. But I'm going to live forever somewhere. And notice when this man so got to talking to him what he said. He said, so, so... Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. I don't want to hear you right now. I don't want you to talk to me. This is a good time in my life. I'm having a good time. I'm, this is the this is time of increase. It looks like life couldn't get any better. Everything looks so perfect for me right now. I don't want to think about eternity. I don't want to think about it. You so. You, you just you 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 just be silent. Take your ease. Can't you just let me enjoy this for a little while? And that soul kept on speaking. That innocent man kept on crying out. That innocent part of him that was bound by the decisions and the choices. If it could have, it would have went to church. If it could have, it would have been sitting there come Sunday morning. If it could have, it would have. It would have came to the altar. If it could have, it would have responded to the preaching. If it could have, it would have launched out and said, "Oh, come on! I got to respond in faith. I got to hear the word of God. I got to do what God has." calling me to do. I can't afford to be lost. He's having a counseling session with himself. There's the soul, the innocent man, and the keeper of the soul, the flesh. You must realize, you must understand here this morning, There's conversations that are going on even as I preach between these two subjects. Between the innocent, the soul, and the keeper of the soul, the flesh. Because it's flesh that has to get up and come to the altar. It's flesh that has to swallow its pride flesh that has to come under submission obedience to the Word of God. It's flesh that has to humble itself. It's flesh that has to be willing to hear and obey the Word of God. Soul, take thine ease. And I suppose if we have to give... an illustration that is along these lines that is probably one of the most powerful and most prolific in scripture and that is the story told in Luke 15 of a man that had two sons and the younger came and asked for his portion of the goods and the bible says that he went to a far He took his soul and drug it as far away as he could. But I'm going to tell you, no matter where you've been, if your soul has ever experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, if your soul has ever known the presence of God, it doesn't matter what distance you go how far you go out what kind of depths you go to how how filthy you involve yourself in the world there's a soul that is still crying out saying i don't want to be here i don't want to be in this place i don't want to do these things i don't want to be involved in this i don't want to live like this i don't want to be this person I know that there's something better than this. I understand. I've experienced something that is greater than this. Oh, come on. Please take me back to the Father's house. Please take me back to what I hunger for. Please take me back to the safety and the protection and the provision of the Father. He wasted his substance on riotous living. That means carefree. That means living with no bounds, no restraints. That means reckless. That means as far to the ungodly as you can possibly become. And when he had spent all, the Bible says that he had joined himself to that land. he had sold himself out almost, it seems like, beyond any hope of return. But that soul never gave up. I don't believe that soul ever got comfortable with that far country. I don't believe the soul could ever be talked in to, to, to silencing its voice. I don't believe that the soul ever stopped in the middle of the night when everybody went home and, and the party had, 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 had basically... Stopped and and the music uh, was no longer playing and and he was lying there in the darkness of the night. Uh, I believe that soul began to speak to him. Said, "You know you don't belong here. You know really really where you're supposed to be. You you know what you're really supposed to be doing. You understand that 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 this is not what God created for you. This is not your purpose for life. You know you have far more potential than this. That come on, you need to get up where you are and you need to go back home. You need to humble yourself." You need to do whatever possible to make your way back to the Father and make things right with Him because you're never going to be happy outside the Father's house. The Bible says it wasn't until He reached the lowest of lows in the hog pen, filth and grime and stench, Finally, he came to himself, and we see his first response back. He said, I will arise. So I'm hearing you now. So I understand I don't have to stay here now. I see now that you was right all along. I, I know and understand now that what you've been trying to tell me throughout uh, my whole sojourn in a far country is that I didn't belong here and I know and understand that now. And if I could only make my way back to the I will arise and go and return to my Father. And I'll tell Him that I'm unworthy. And if He could just make me as one of His hired servants because I noticed something about the hired servants. That they have bread and despair and here I'm at in this hog pen and I'm perishing with hunger I'm diminishing with each day that goes by I'm going to return I'm going to go back home I'm going to make things right I'm going to listen to you soul I'm going to return to my father's house and the most important part of that scripture is the Bible said he didn't just talk about it he didn't say I will arise and not do it but the very next verse says and he arose he got up from where he was and he made his way back to the father's house amen and when he got there he didn't even have to get all the way to the front porch but the father the bible says was waiting and he ran to where he was and he fell upon his neck and he called for the best road to be brought to him and he told him to kill the fatted calf and put shoes on his feet to give get him back his position in the family because he said oh this son that was dead is now alive. He's been restored. There was a part of that man, an innocent element of that man called the soul that was crying out all along. There's a daddy that still loves you. There's one that still cares. There's a place that you can still go and you Can find restoration. I'm going to tell you right here in this room today, the soul is crying out to people in this place and speaking to hearts in this house and trying to convince individuals in this place. You may feel like I'm hopeless. You may feel like it's over with. Oh, you may feel like I've went too far, but I'm preaching to you this morning. Maybe you're hearing us over the internet. I'm telling you today that there's still hope at the Father's house. There's still forgiveness at the Father's house. There's still joy Joy that can come again at the Father's house. There's still everything that you hunger for at the Father's house. Stand with me right now. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. So there's a cry that goes out to the keeper of the soul. Where art thou? Are you listening? Are you hearing the word of God? I can't help but think, and I know my imagination's probably. pretty vivid and I'm taking license here this morning but I can't help but think that the soul has been anticipating this service I can't help but think that the soul as the intensity of this service begin to mount and the presence of God begin to move if we could see it with the physical eye, I believe it moved out on the edge of the pew. Come on, flesh, take me. Take me to the altar. Come on, flesh. Take me to a place where I can get restored with God. Get my relationship right. Come on, flesh. Please don't just sit there. Oh, please, please, please respond to the Word of God, to the presence of God. This is an opportunity. I don't understand it. People they go through great rigors to take care of their automobiles and maintain their automobiles, change the oil, rotate the tires. We do great things care to take care of our homes and maintain our homes and we paint, we fix we work on and we spend so little time on the most precious commodity in the world and that is our soul so little time caring for our soul I pray that you don't speak like the man in Luke 12 who said, Oh soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, be merry. I have much goods laid up for many years. You may not have many years the way this world's rocking along. We don't know about tomorrow, but we know that God has given us an opportunity today. The Bible said today is a day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Let's respond now. Hallelujah. Let's call on God now. Come on, let's seek the Lord while He may be found. Come on, pour your heart out to God right now as they begin to sing. Would you call on Him? Would you talk to Him? It's all right to weep in His presence. It's all right to be broken in His presence. It's all right to cry out to Him. There's nobody that understands you like He understands you. There's nobody that knows you like He knows you.